Welcome to Chip Two Podcast, episode number fifty-eight. Um, this is a special edition. Uh, we are mourning the loss of the LNC uh, presidency. The LNC. Yeah, the Libertarian National Convention. Oh, okay. Our so he did he, our benevolent okay, dictator uh, from the future came back in a time machine. And uh, apparently, this was not the year that he was that he beca- that he becomes our benevolent dictator. We had to come future. back and shock us, and then you know next time. Yeah, I'm, so Vermin Supreme, our our dear leader, our our glorious pony guarantor, our stealer of guns to provide us with new guns that are better and bigger. Jeez. His promises of zombie power and economics based on ponies just you know slipped what? right through our fingers. You know what's funny? What? Last time we <laughs> talked about Room Supreme, I was going to buy you a shirt. And I literally, I ordered it and then it, like it, it, they canceled or something. Really? Yeah. I don't, I, because I, I forgot about it for like two months. Oh, man. And then I looked on the, I got an email like <clears throat> forever ago that was like, like hey, sorry. This just yeah, like it was like an order incomplete or something. I don't know. It's like I guess maybe I did it wrong. I don't know. I never re-upped, but I, I wonder if it's still available. Maybe I can get it on clearance now. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I mean, he still is. I mean, he's still a big he's still a personality. Dude. Yeah. Um, but we now have uh, this lady who was actually my last pick. So. I I had made uh for the L after the LNC stuff yeah so so I had made a a pact with myself right like I didn't plan on voting but I decided that if Vermin Supreme or Jacob Hornberger became the nominees that I would probably that I would vote sure um <clears throat> Joe Jorgensen who is a, a lady that has been in the Libertarian uh, Party for. Um, many decades now ran with a uh, <clears throat> very well respected presidential candidate um in the 90 i think it was 92 um she was his running mate um who was that Harry Brown oh, okay. uh, i didn't say his name i guess um but he he's a he's very a, a very well liked figure in the libertarian community because he's very principled and sure. uh, is very good orator and explains the positions really well um but she's a pragmatist which means you know she's like incremental um she's a minarchist so she believes in minor federal government that maintains a standing army and like basic things right super basic uh she's for the abolition of cia nsa all those good things, you know, and sure. and in the Fed, stuff like that. So she's very good on a lot of things, but not exactly the person I was looking for. However, Vermin Supremes. Uh, so <clears throat> the way that presidents and vice presidents are selected for the LNC or for the Libertarian Party is um, they. So the presidents run on their own. Mm-hmm. And then vice presidents run on their own as vice president. So they run to be nominated as vice president. Uh, okay. But what usually happens uh, with at least a handful of them is like um, Larry Sharp, who ran for, um, I think governor of New York. Um, he was, uh, he 
tacked his name on with uh, a presidential candidate named Jim Gray. Um, and then uh, this guy named Spike Cohen uh, was ru- was was running with uh, Vermin Supreme. Well, what ended up happening? So Spike Cohen is a uh, anarchist. So he's very like, end it all. This whole thing is fucked. Right. Um, and she's a pragmatist. Well, he ended up becoming, he was nominated as the vice presidential candidate. So now we have a pragmatist with an anarchist, which kind of unifies the party because it is pretty much split between anarchist and the pragmatist. So how did, how did they both win the nomination? They just won it separately. They're not, they didn't run together. Correct. So, so it's different. Whereas a, um, in normal, so whenever they get not like a, like a Democrat or Republican, the way that theirs works is whoever's voted as the Republican nominee gets to decide, just, just handpick his vice president. Whereas this is, um, the delegates get to vote for president and vice president. So they get to decide. If anything, that's a little more well thought it's, out. It's more consensus based. Yeah. Which I mean, democracy is horseshit and it's mob rule. But this is actually one of the few times that I mean, I haven't been paying attention to to libertarian politics for long enough, but to to have really anything to look back at. But with Gary Johnson and Bill Weld, those were two people that was. Gary Johnson is he's principled, he's a good libertarian, but he's not very good at getting the message across because he just comes off as a dumb stoner weirdo who kind of cr- cr- like cracked under the pressure when they asked him, "Hey, would uh if it was up to you, does the baker who denied the gay wedding cake have to bake the cake?" And he said yes, which is not actually what libertarians believe and he caught a lot of heat for that. Um, and then, uh, but he was trying to appease the left, right? Because that's what he felt he needed to do. The bigger part of the vote. Yeah. And then, um, who I said, Bill Weld, he ran, he ran in the last election, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, But, uh, Bill Weld is, uh, he basically was a newcomer to the libertarian party who claimed, Oh, I'm libertarian now when he's, when he was, a Raytheon a lobbyist, so part of the war machine. Mm-hmm. And also any time that he, his name has been connected to a lot of like, support for the wars and stuff like that, which is, which he could have seen the error in his way. But then of course, the second that he's no longer, the second that he lost that, he went, he's like Republican again. I'm running for something for Republican. Let me, let me ask you this cause <clears throat> just because it's interesting but and I don't have a lot of information on it. Uh, is a libertarian candidate like when they put out that you know they debate and they do stuff like that? Are they typically either pro or anti-war? Libertarians? Yes. Uh, if they're real libertarians, they're always anti-war. Okay. Um, but that like I that's what I mean. Just like yeah, they're anti-war as as a whole. I mean, because interesting because one of the the main planks of the libertarian platform in general because the party has a platform mm-hmm. um is the non-aggression principle that's the first and foremost for you to join you have to say you agree with the non-aggression principle mm-hmm. and that essentially is you do not um you do not initiate acts of violence against someone who has not either credibly threatened you or initiated act, the act of violence on you right so you can retaliate <clears throat> in an equal fashion but you cannot 
uh, initiate violence. So, because that's an interesting because like going back in time, like Obama, right? When he was first running, it was all he was all about anti-war and anti-whatever. Did he get a large segment of the libertarian vote? Fuck no, because he's a because mostly kind of more centrist or something. No, he he's actually he was. He's the same as everybody else, right? Like the reason why libertarians don't like Republicans or Democrats is because no matter which one, they're for big government. Libertarians right. are for smaller government. Okay. To actually, so even though give he may have had power. shared values, he was still part of the bigger. Yes, I mean the the main the because most libertarians, not all of them, but most, um, if you actually are a principled libertarian, you tend to believe that. The federal government is, <clears throat> and most governments are actually based on uh, aggression and the fear, and basically monopoly on violence. Right. So right. if you don't give them tax money, which is theft, in in the eyes of myself and most libertarians, <clears throat> then you are. Um, <clears throat> oh well, if you don't give them money, then they threaten you with uh, repercussions, which. Yeah the further you go into it eventually leads to violence or the threat of violence, at least, which is extortion. Um, and they, and most libertarians, if somebody is, if, if a a democratic president is always going to push for more welfare and things of that nature, which is essentially going to increase the amount of money that's either being, uh, stolen from our children and our grandchildren through, uh, printing money, Mm-hmm. Or it's stolen from us in the here and now with higher taxes, <clears throat> which is um, which is why most libertarians wouldn't vote for a, a Donald Trump or a um, well, I mean, libertarians voted for Donald Trump because he at least talked a good talk and was anti-war and said he wanted to reduce taxes. Yeah. Um, Donald Trump or uh, Barack Obama never promised any amount of reducing in taxes because that's not the platform that they run on. Right. I want to go back and say also, even though I'm saying Barack Obama, like how he had a big anti-war thing. Obviously, we know after eight years, he was he pretty much failed, yeah. failed on that front. But I mean, failed one is a big could, word, but one, either way. One could say actively did the opposite of what yeah. he claimed he would. I, yeah. um, I mean, he, he's the reason why there's an open slave trade in Libya. We, decentral, we, we well, destabilized that entire country. Yeah, not to mention... I mean, Syria. Syria. Yeah. yeah um, proxy wars uh, for Saudi Arabia and Yemen. Things of that nature. Which See, Donald Trump hasn't necessarily started any new shooting wars or started any new proxy wars, but he hasn't done much to stop them. Right. Like A lot of the stuff, he could just literally write an order like, hey, we're not fucking helping you anymore, Saudi Arabia. We're going to lift our blockade on Yemen. And then all these people who are dying for no reason through starvation and dysentery and cholera um, wouldn't be dying anymore because we would be able to actually trade with them and give them water, food, and medications that are – I mean those cholera and dysentery are really easy to to cure. Right. And it's a horrifying death because you literally vomit and shit yourself to death. Right. Um, But if you have fluids and basic antibiotics – it it pretty much is curable. Right. Well, that was, so going into all this stuff too, I was thinking about this the other day on the drive home, actually, cause I was listening to NPR and I just got in the car. Uh, there's something going on about what the latest Trumpism thing that went on. And I just, and then they go on about something like the whole Joe Biden, uh, 
news clip about if you ain't voting for me, you ain't black. Or That's hilarious. Whatever the it's hell. One of my that favorite is. things I've ever seen. Right. Charlemagne to God, and he he like let it slide while he was on there, and then yeah. after that he just went on fucking news and yeah. shit, and just like fucking destroyed Joe but was, Biden. But in general, I don't know. I was just thinking because it's obviously it's crazier times, and every election year seems to one up the other one and whatnot. And obviously, it also has to do with or me growing up and absorbing more and being my own person. Because hell, when Obama got elected, I was in high school. And I only learned anything from NPR and MSNBC or my parents. Yeah. Or, you know, because I wasn't actively looking at all that shit. I would just hear what news bites. It's basically like noise or whatever that you just, yeah, like almost subliminally like ingested. Yeah. And I mean, for the most part, Obama's a good guy, if anything. So it was like, yeah, great. And that not well, he's say, at least somebody you could have a beer with and be like, yeah, this isn't, he's like, sure. he seems like a cool enough dude, which is why people liked, um, George Bush too, is cause he was very relatable. Right. But then mm-hmm. I was just thinking, cause now like the past election, right. Which feels like was not that long ago. It and, does feel that it's way. Like literally we're it's at it again. You know why? It's because we found the, uh, Higgs boson in 2012. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> who was it? What's the fucking... The derpy dude who was stuck in a wheelchair. Stephen Hawking <laughs> said that. Derpy if, dude. Stu- one of the greatest minds in the world. <laughs> the derpy dude. Yeah, he was derpy, bro. I mean. God, dude. Um, but uh, he said that if we ever found the Higgs boson, that that would, be, that that would lead to the destruction of the universe. Mm-hmm. And what happened is we found the Higgs boson in 2012. And we actually destroyed the universe, but. And because We're still catching up. Well, no, because of the destruction of the universe, we shifted into a new um, timeline, oh. which is fat, which moves faster. Which is why th- that that could be an explanation for the that Mandela is, effect and pretty damn cool. things of that nature. Uh, flat that's Earth theory, that's some cool shit. Yeah, dude, it's it's an interesting theory. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah, fortunately, you can't go around. However, facts. So. However, here here's the here's the concern. Ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mind calendar 2012, right? Right. Everybody's like, oh, we passed it. Oh, well, actually, yeah. here, here, here I, it is. Yeah, go for it. You ready? I'm already piecing it together. Yeah. So the calendar that we go off of is actually eight years uh, behind, or I guess uh, technically ahead of the uh, of the Mayan calendar, just because we have um, we had shorter like shorter years than they had in their cycle. Right. And. I mean, depending on who you talk to, right, or who you listen to. Well, we also have the mind count, like leap days, and leap years. Yeah, and all that crazy. I mean, shit. The, the mind time, calendar. What is it? The well, we're actually daylight savings time, all that shit. Well, daylight savings time doesn't actually affect anything. Well, it's time it, still moves the same. I get that. The amount of days. I'm, I'm just saying, or days still end at the same, still end in the same uh, increments. I know, but how we quantify that time? Yes, can I change mean, fractionally, they, but over a period of a, a millennia can change like significantly. Yeah. Well, I mean the, uh, the Mayans uh, had a more accurate way of mapping, t- uh, mapping dates, right? Like we have, like you said, we have the leap year and it's because it, cause every year um, <clears throat> it's like a quarter of a day. We're like a quarter of a day short. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, so every four years we have to add an extra day to catch up with the with the cycle around the sun. Right. Whereas the Mayans had something that actually um 
basically the the way that their calendar worked was different and also we reset or we we like set our time ahead of theirs so like our our zero was eight years before their zero mm-hmm. so it's like uh, i mean but it, also if yeah. you actually look at the history of what it means it's actually the end of an era 2012 was actually meant to be the end of the era and we were supposed to go into an era um that's essentially like a, a destructive era where the um where the universe kind of resets and and, and okay. um is supposed to uh i forgot it's one of their gods that takes control at in that era and essentially it's supposed to be like a lot of destruction and a reset of the universe i'd really like to read more on this and come and revisit it just with like especially maybe if we want to do like a uh, not conspiracy is weird, but like science based and like factual history. I want to, we should revisit this because I do want to have more information because I feel like that's super interesting. And it's really cool. the other thing that I wanted to go back because you were talking about how we found the Higgs boson in 2012. Yeah. Because then that would line up with the 2012 ending of the world or whatever. Yeah. Which is interesting. Which is well, more or less what I was getting at. But then yeah, that's, that's why that's why I started talking about the Mayan calendar actually right. being this year is supposed to be the year that it happens. Right. Um, Which, I mean, hell, the whole year has been a wash so far. It sure has been. So it's like, I mean, what, who knows what happens next? Yeah. No, we... Um, oh, but the reason why... I I lost where I was talking about, but, but, well, uh, but Vermin Supreme... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, he actually brought more people into the Libertarian uh, National Party than anybody else by miles. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that that's in part because our good friend Dan Smots yeah. was actually doing all of his ads. Right. And the ads were amazing. Super cool. We're hoping, like myself, as well as uh, many of the people who listen to the various Libertarian podcasts that I listen to, that he's like friends with these guys or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're hoping that he can get in on the Joe Jorgensen a campaign and uh, do some of the ads for her because she needs some help with her messaging. Cause she's not, she's kind of bland and sure. not that interesting. Whereas like Verm Supreme and like just Dan knows how to make a good video. Right. And some of the, ad, some of the ads that he made for Vermin Supreme were extremely moving. And like, I love them. They're super cool. They're getting around the YouTube, like on YouTube, they're getting a lot of views and it's uh bringing a lot of people in and, I mean, it's not necessarily like podcast or podcast. It's not necessarily politics related. These, these, they're more sort of pretty much the, the whole, his campaign slogan was we've already, we've already won. Mm -hmm. And it's just talking about how, you know, we are the people who can make the change and stuff like that. It's actually really inspiring, Um, really cool stuff. And you get to see videos and clips of, Vermin Supreme being Vermin Supreme walking around with the boot on his head and like mm-hmm. uh, not shaking hands with cops and shaking hands with everybody else and like and then also shaking hands with cops who were protecting him and sort of helping him uh, just helping to maintain his right of free speech and things of that nature and um, him serving food out of a big van that they turned into like a soup kitchen type thing and um, just like all this really cool stuff and then. Um, something that's amazing is he's obviously I've said before that he, that he talks about how his boot basically just gives him because it makes him seem crazy. 
he can say whatever he wants and it's not as shocking and it makes, and people are more, and even if it's not something crazy, more people listen because he's interesting. It's sort of like watching a train wreck. Right. Like you can't look away even though you feel like you shouldn't be looking at it. Um, but then, and he was doing debates and stuff with the other uh, libertarian people or the other libertarian, uh, candidates. And he's super eloquent, knows exactly what he's saying. He's, a very principled libertarian. He's an anarchist. He's a just extremely smart and knows what he's talking about. And the whole pony, the ponynomics and zombie, like it's all, well, it's all meant to poke fun at the, uh, at the system, right? Like like all these things are just as insane to us or to myself and to fellow libertarians who really relate with his message. Like, he talks about having the toothbrush Gestapo that will enforce you will enforce brushing your teeth or whatever. And if you're not, then they will do home visits, forced home visits and, and ensure that you are brushing your teeth and things of that nature. And right. it's, it's just as crazy. Well, yeah, um, but it works as like in the internet, like it works as like a shock value that, like you said, even the, like the boot on the head, it's all things that help his notoriety as well as if they sit there and listen long enough, you learn, oh, he actually kind of knows what he's talking about. I mean, during this time, he's gotten a lot of national news coverage just because he's he's an activist. He's a, he's a peaceful activist uh, who will go to big events and uh, at least polit- uh, uh, political events more, than, more often than not, and will just have them or will just get in people's way or sort of like jump in front of the people and ask them crazy questions. And then right. somebody will write an article about it. And um, <clears throat> like he actually, this was a while ago, but at a Trump rally, he got everybody to say um, suck Trump's cock, right? Just over and over again, just yeah, chanting that. that. It's hilarious. And it's just because he can and he thinks it's funny. Right. And he's just a, just a, genuine he's very genuine when he's mm-hmm. actually speaking and and it's it's cool to see that side of him after really liking him because of his crazy goofy side yeah because it's almost like oh i feel better now about <laughs> looking at this guy and admiring him well i, I knew that he was like i knew who he was because i've heard him speak both ways but then actually seeing him go out go toe-to-toe with other candidates and he actually knows more than a lot of these people that he was debating against and is better suited at because he's he doesn't get nervous or as much or cracks under the pressure the same way that a lot of other people do do you think that him himself right like sure intelligent man knows what he's talking about knows how he's representing himself and how it works and things like that but do you think like how you're saying how he was able to handle himself and he was calm and able to do things. Do you think that maybe because he, his job was to be that guy to then break the mold a little bit and rattle a few people and then not thinking that he would win, you know, like in, in reality, knowing that of course, nobody's going to vote for me. Not saying he actually thinks this, but yeah. just in the idea, like him knowing I'm obviously too crazy or too whatever to actually win. So that gives him the confidence to go on the debate stage and be like, well, there's no pressure here. I'm just doing this to do this. Mm. 
and then possibly lead the way for more candidates to be that way, or at least in a way that's consumable. But I don't know. Cause I, I don't want to, I'm not discrediting him, yeah. discrediting him. Cause he's definitely been a candidate that stayed out. Like we said, outlasted uh, Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders and a, yeah. a lo- whole list of other uh, candidates. But I mean, he outlasted a whole lot of, um, uh, libertarian candidates too that are good i mean justin amash who he's wouldn't say he's the best libertarian candidate in the world um but he he toyed with the idea of doing it but then realized like uh well i mean he also he tried to jump in at the last debate right so basically he was like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna fucking skip everything but i have notoriety so a bunch of people got excited about it but he's he ended up backing out, which I think was probably a good move for him. He could probably do more in the Senate or something like that. Because I mean, he did one interview or he did a couple interviews, but one of them was on MSNBC and they fucking tossed him softball questions and he fucking botched that shit. He didn't talk once about anything uh, that's like a seriously pressing matter for libertarians and stuff like, Oh, we need another choice. Stuff like, like bullshit like that, like the the same sort of shit that the Democrats will say. Like, he's like, we don't want Trump. He's like, right. but also, I mean, these guys are pretty much the same. I don't know. I mean, but like, not actually saying anything that was of substance, and it wasn't particularly, uh, it wasn't something that got any libertarian excited. And he caught so much flack. I'm sure that that didn't help. But um, but then you, I mean. He he also had so much support from just everyday libertarians because uh, you can just tell by the numbers of people that he brought into the LNC. Like he got onto debate stages. Um, Vermin Supreme, right? Vermin Supreme, yeah. Mm-hmm. He got onto the debate stages for, uh, a, or I guess stages isn't the right word, but there's a podcast I listen to called Lines of Liberty, and they're actually one of the bigger libertarian, po- probably the biggest libertarian podcast that's uh, – one of the first one, that's for sure. Um, and they were holding these uh, debates over Zoom. Mm-hmm. And then the first one, uh, it was 10 people. It was basically everybody who was in the field. Um, and then the second one, he wasn't on. But then the third one, they did based on merit. So they did one. Uh, one was like, whoever won the most straw polls. Um, whoever brought the most people to the LNC. Whoever whatever the other one was. And then they uh, did a poll in their, um, like in their Patreon group. Um, and what they, what ended up happening was he fucking smoked everybody in the amount of people that, br- that was brought into the L into the LP, <clears throat> which is the libertarian party. Um, and that's how he got onto that stage because I mean, you can check those. You can look at those numbers cause they have affiliate links. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I mean, that, like that's saying something that somebody who is quote unquote a crazy man with a boot on his head who right. whatever he brought in so many people he introduced so many people to the idea to the ideas of uh, liberty and freedom and things of that nature that it's actually really a, an amazing accomplishment in itself and that's sort of what we want what I wanted at least <clears throat> because the odds are I mean we're not gonna a libertarian isn't gonna win uh, obviously. Um, they probably won't even get more than five percent of the vote it, not at best. Attitude. It's not going to happen. <laughs> the game's rigged. The whole thing is bullshit. Um, well, that'll take me back to what I was originally saying too, if you don't mind. Well, uh, let me just finish this. Go first. Um, <clears throat> but uh, oh fuck. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. But I mean, he uh, 
he did just back to what you're talking about. I mean, he, he all hit one of his things was, I understand that I come off as crazy mm-hmm. He said, but it's also so crazy that it might work sort of thing. And he, and he says, you know, we says, I've always been a joke candidate, but this is my first time being serious. And this is me actually wanting to do what, um, what a presidential candidate would do, right? They're supposed to introduce people to the ideas and, right. and what we were, what I was hoping for was a Ron Paul like can campaign. So Ron Paul ran as a Republican mm-hmm. and created this thing that's called the Liberty movement, which was this big rush to libertarianism and the, the LP and stuff, because he was, he was an outright libertarian. He just ran on a Republican ticket. Um, and, opened so many people's eyes just because he was honest. Like he didn't, he didn't hold back. He was very smart and he would just drop truths. Like the fed is a private company, right? It's not even federally owned and they control all of our money. Most people don't know that. And that's something that shocks people. Like, wait, what is he talking about? And they're like, Oh, he has a book about it. Let me look at it. And then you just start getting pulled into it. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people who are in the thirties, like mid thirties, late twenties know or are libertarians now because of what he did. Uh, so that's sort of the idea of what I was hoping that if he got elected, that that's what that would be. And now I'm hoping that Joe Jorgensen can sort of pick up that mantle and hopefully do something similar. Not that I think that she has the, the charisma to, to do. And I don't think that she's, um, I don't know if she's strong enough in the whole, uh, in her um, debating skills to to hold up against uh, attacks, so I don't know if she'll be able to to do what I'm what I would like for a libertarian nominee to do, but we'll just see as it goes. Hmm. Well, what I was saying earlier was just about how uh, just <clears throat> listening to the news and everything, and just uh, every conversation we've had, just talking about. Like how you were saying, it's just obviously libertarian. It's their it's a third party vote that just doesn't get five percent or whatever. But what I was thinking about with it being now Joe Biden and Trump, obviously, it and just and obviously the news bits and the attacks that Joe Biden's had, not to mention just the record of things that's already been presented by him or about him. Like it's just it's it's so disheartening because it's last election it was like the the fucking tagline was the the worst of two evils or whatever and you see where that happened and trump got elected and then now we're here and now i feel like because every because we had bush right yeah for eight years yep and then we had obama for eight years yeah and now we got trump probably for eight years probably for eight years you know and it's like we just have this system that goes back loop, and forth, yeah. doing and undoing and doing and undoing and, and vice versa in into oblivion. Yeah. And it, it, it's just, it's so upsetting because it's like a system that isn't going to go anywhere progressively. Sure, things are going to happen, events are going to happen and change how the game is played. But... In the grand scheme of things, at least in the conspiratorial version, you know, it's obviously there's just puppets with the strings being pulled by somebody else. Why? Like, that's exactly why we can see if it's fucking Biden 
and his him and then obviously we all know trump you know it's just like we really that's that's what the general population is going to vote for when we had people like obviously i'm a bernie fan but then we also have the whole third party and then we have you know the green party uh, yeah we have other uh, options that just obviously either out of not no like not being seen enough or you know not having enough i I think they're they're intentionally shut out i mean there's the whole you're throwing away your vote if you vote for a third party and the whole point is like a third is to keep people in a box and to force them to think the way that you want them to think and it's a scare tactic right because what they do is they scare you with the idea of hey the guy who uh, the guy that you hate is going to get in unless you vote for this guy that you don't hate as much. Well, yeah, and then to tag on that too is the a vote for a third party was a vote for Trump. Yeah, and, and, all that and vice versa, they do the same thing. Right. I mean, like my mom, I love my mom, and she did it to me. Like I wasn't even going to vote, and if I was going to vote, I was probably going to vote for Gary Johnson. And then she scared me into voting for Donald Trump. She's like, because she just pushed me on it. It was like. What if Hillary wins? And at first, I was like, well, obviously, she's not going to. I mean, well, not 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 in Georgia, at least. I was like, my vote well, is no. not going to change the outcome in Georgia. Right. She's like, oh, well, the, the, you know, it, it could be close, and you know, whatever. I'm like, but my argument no. here is, I, I think we would have had the same bullshit if Hillary won. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, it would be different because we wouldn't have loudmouth tweeter man. Yeah, but going crazy. But but is that is that any better or worse than somebody who's thinking that way or thinking in a way, but you don't know what they're thinking? At I least guess, at least Donald Trump, for the most part, is so fucking brazen and has such a big head that he's going to say something, and you fucking know that that's actually what he's thinking because he yeah. doesn't have a filter. Yeah, I guess <clears> whether the, that's good or not. I mean, well, I guess it could be good in the sense that the the for to be able to foresee something going on or well, having the ability to know what's happening yeah but at the same time when it's in the hands of somebody who has nuclear launch codes and shit like that it's just obviously it nothing comes to that point but he's already like i don't know we don't have to talk about the heroics of trump but just i don't find him heroic or villainous by any means well, i, I, I think, don't obviously mean that i'm just talking about what he's done as a president Versus I'd, like what what Hillary might might have or would not have done. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really, I, I don't know. I, I think that it would have been different, but also, I mean, no matter who's in office, the government always gets bigger, well, taxes always go up, spending always goes and up. That's why I would say, for the most part, maybe besides the the big viral stuff that affects a, a lot of things, but still, we would have we would be in the same situation. Yeah, per se, just with a different color on the on the White House, you know. Pretty much, I mean, I mean, at least Donald Trump probably won't steal all the fucking furniture and drapes when he leaves. <laughs> Is that a Hillary thing? Hillary and and uh, and Bill did that when they left the White House. They stole a whole bunch of shit. They stole it, or like it was. It's not theirs. The White well, House. I understand. It, that, it's owned by but... the people, right? It's owned by sure. us because it's purchased by us. When they go into the White House, they get to decorate it. They get to decide all the decorations. So they took it with them. They took a whole bunch of shit with them, which is against the law. It's stealing from the federal government. Jesus. And, I mean, obviously nothing really came of that. It was kind of like, oh, they stole from them. And then they probably got it back or whatever. But they probably sure. gave it back. But, I mean, it. 
don't know. That was just a joke. But um, I don't know. I, I, I wish that I want people to vote for who represents them the best. I don't give a fuck if you vote for, like, if you would have voted for Jill Stein last time around. Right. That's better than just voting for the status quo. Right. Yeah. At least that's something that's different and you're stepping away from the box. Like there there's this saying that there's a um what is it? It's a ten by whatever size a, a note card is, right? Just like a regular note card. Three by five. Uh, yes, a three by five note card. It's it's like the three by five note card of allowable opinion. And it's actually more philosophically called the Overton window, which is essentially um <clears throat> <clears throat> what what it is it's it's a basically a grouping of ideas that you're allowed to have um that progressively changes over time but it has to but typically it changes slowly because mm-hmm. you have to slowly mold it mold people's thoughts and to sort of bring them into the ideas and make them feel comfortable with it um which is the idea of what pragmatist and the libertarian party Uh, believe in is you know you got to slowly change it like you can't just overnight just kind of blow people's brains um whereas other people think that you have to really be aggressive in order to shift the overton window because you have to bring people into the idea and kind of shock them with it so they're like wait what i mean what the fuck are you talking about like in the fed like Mm -hmm. and then then people some people like me would get interested and go and be like, what the fuck are they talking about? What's the fed? Um, but it's, you know, the Overton window just basically decides what the allowable opinions are of the time Mm -hmm. and slowly, but surely. So something that Democrats are really good at that are just liberals, I guess liberals, the wrong word, because uh, I don't want to use that word. Uh, progressives are, um, progressives use, are much better than conservatives are at shifting the Overton window. And people, there's a, a really good saying that uh, Republicans are just Democrats going the speed limit. Mm-hmm. So they always end up taking on the ideas of Democrats just a lot slower. Um, but, but I mean, if you use that Overton window, um, as uh, for me personally, like as a libertarian, uh, I've always, we have libertarians are better Democrats than Democrats and better Republicans than Republicans. Cause we're more, um, at least on key issues, right? It's so, like, we're more anti-war than the anti-war left are. Sure. We're more, um, uh, anti-tax and anti-welfare than the Republicans are. And what, uh, and something that I've that I've learned is you're, that you have to have the discussions with people based on what their beliefs are, what their opinions are, and that's mm-hmm. using their their personal Overton windows. So you're like, so if if you like for me, if I see a Democrat who's talking about anti-war stuff, like I'm always like, yeah, dude, for sure. The, the, I mean, war is awful, right? And then you know, and then I'll post shit about like, oh, you know, we gotta. You gotta stop helping out all these fucking homeless people because they're just siphoning money out of the out of the system, which is stealing money out of my pocket. And right, which immediately <clears throat> turns somebody away from you. Yeah, so of I mean, that belief system. Yeah, so what what you have to do is you have to sort of uh, cater your message, and that that's not necessarily being disingenuous, but it is using it's using what you're what you know 
and what they know to be true, but slowly bringing opening up their Overton window and and sort of uh, <laughs> adjusting what their allowable opinions are. Right. Um, well, and and also to just pivot on that because it's not like you're saying talk to somebody like they're a baby. You know, like you're not saying that at all. You're just in order to have a conducive conversation with somebody and actually have a back and forth, there is uh, a parlay of sorts that you have to meet at a certain level. And then once you open up that bridge or that pathway, then you're able to grow it and find where, where the lines are and what, what, what are, what thing, what ideas are considered more extreme than others and how to present them whether it be current events or or just a subject like you're saying anti-war and then bridging that into a a bigger conversation to really dissect well i mean so like anti-war right so you go anti-war and then you slowly move towards you know then you can say corporate welfare stuff like that right so it's the government choosing winners or losers Mm -hmm. which is essentially allowing uh, monopolies and companies that are going to fail right uh succeed um and then what you do and then you lead to the fed right and you say well the fed is the only way that we can actually afford to go on go into these wars because they liquidate assets and flood our system with money so that we have liquid money that or the government has liquid money that they can spend on war mm-hmm. um and then you go into um uh and then you go into how the Fed without the Fed then the free market then you could slowly start bringing in you know the ideals of free market which a lot of Democrats and uh, more progressive people feel that the free market is actually um, an oppressive force that takes advantage of the workers um, and you can slowly expl- show them how actually the Fed and the federal government are the ones who allow for uh, predatory um, for predatory uh, business practices that take advantage of the workers because they create systems in which people aren't actually able to, um, they don't have a choice mm-hmm. and things of that nature, right? Cause they prop up right. big banks and things of that nature. And I always get really excited when I see like th- there's a, a vocalist uh, who used to be a vocalist for a big, for a local band here. that's getting kind of big um, who always is like posting stuff about all oh, this, corporate welfare or um you know just stuff about like police brutality and things of that nature and i'm like yeah this shit's fucked and like that's something that like we can connect on and then he'll like see and then i'll see him post some stuff i'm like okay like like yeah like i know where you're coming from and you see the right issue but i don't think that that's necessarily correct or like i've actually challenged him on some things because i'm like you're being a little bit disingenuous in the way you're presenting this argument like you're kind of swaying the statistics and things and then we'll actually have a conversation right because he's somebody who's relatively open-minded and he does know that we agree on a handful of things like more than a handful of things so it's kind of it so at least you have so you have to out Democrat the Democrat and out Republican the Republican. Sure. And it's um but on their playing field. Yes. But it, it allows for um because o- over time, if you just kinda if they realize, oh wait, we agree on a lot of things, then it's a lot easier because you're not seen as the enemy. You're seen as somebody who just had who 
who you, you're actually really closely tied to in political beliefs or just in beliefs in general, no matter what it is you're talking about. But then you, you're actually, then you can actually have a discussion about the things you don't agree on uh, in a relatively civil manner because you're not seen as the enemy. You're just right. seen as, not, as somebody who's similar. Like cut through it at all. Yeah, because cause they do know that you're on their side in a handful of things. Sure. It's a, uh, but yeah, the, the Overton window, man. It's cool stuff. Yeah. Political philosophy is fun uh, sometimes. It gets a little strenuous and a bit autistic every now and then. And people sure, get sure. way too tied into a single thing. And then you get like this. Ep- I mean, so far, like that, pa- that that last 10 minutes was me. I just got stuck on the idea and I couldn't like get out until I finished sure. the, the thought. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things like nowadays you watch a YouTube video and you absorb what 50% of the information and you're like, okay, let me revisit it in my brain. And then you kind of, obviously when it's something more philosophical or something like that, it's something you digest and understand and then figure out if you agree with or don't agree with. But then like most of that stuff is heavy stuff. So it's like really understanding and consuming it and how it affects each other idea, like, um, how they whatever correspond or work with each other. I don't know. However they uh, work together and things like that. Cause obviously like, like the discussion of like something being political or not and like how somebody can draw the line from uh, a buying milk at the grocery store to being in a political issue, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is random, but this just made me think of it is the idea that, you know, wearing a mask is very, uh, politically motivated. I guess it's kind of where this popped up into my head. Um, for quarantine and stuff. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Right? For, for this current situation, you know, people are, if you don't wear a mask, Oh, th- this is an Overton window thing, right? Sure. So, um, they, whether it's an intentional thing or not, or whether I, I read an article that said it's more of an opinion piece. But basically what they were saying is, you know, whether this has nefarious purposes or if it's just something that is a, is a result of just the situation that we're in, um, through people basically being propagandized into believing now, whether or not it is true or whether or not it actually is helpful or not is a different story. But, um, saying, you know, if you, that to help protect people and to save people's lives, you have to quarantine. Well, you hear that over and over again, like stay home, uh, don't go to work, uh, social distance, things like that. Wear a mask, um, wear gloves, wash your hands. Yeah. And so what basically by con- by people constantly hearing and getting reinforcement of the idea that if you do these things and you're protecting people, mm-hmm. then if you don't do those things, then you're actually harming people and killing people. Sure. So um, people who just are at a point where they can no longer afford to pay their bills. If they decide that, Hey, I have to, even if they're scared, if they decide, Hey, I have to take this risk and I have to go work, mm-hmm. I have to find a job, whatever. Um, then they're seen as somebody who is literally killing people and or harming people. If, if it's, if people don't, depending on where you are on the spectrum of the belief, mm-hmm. um, then you become the literal enemy where you have to be stopped and then you're vilified and seen as a, as a horrible human being who's trying to kill people. Right. And that's a, 
that's sort of an Overton window thing, right? And it happened quickly. It's something that we saw that I'm that I, paying attention now, like th- thinking back, this is something that happened in the span of weeks right. where just they, a couple of people uh, from some bureaucrats from the CDC say, Hey, we have to quarantine mm-hmm. and we, ha- we can't um, be within close contact and we have to wear masks. You have to wear gloves, stuff like that. Right. Well, uh, when you hear that so much, like you just, all of a sudden you start to believe it as fact. And that's why like when somebody says, Oh, I'm ugly or I'm fat. Right. You you should be like, don't say it. I, I would always say you're fucking, you're going to say that enough times. You're going to believe it. Mm-hmm. And then that's actually what's happening now. We actually are seeing it in a fast, like really quickly moving sure. fashion where over a couple of weeks now you, you can ask most people like, Hey, what should we be doing? We should be quarantining. Why? Because we don't want to spread the virus that's killing people. Um, and that, and now the people who go against that are killing people or harming people. And, um, that's, uh, it's an interesting thing. That's how propaganda works. That's how, I mean, whether, whether or not this is a positive form of propaganda, I mean, is relatively, uh, not known. Although the CDC did just release something, uh, the Friday before Memorial day that, uh, it's a 0.3% death rate which is much lower than the 5% death rate of the flu. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Um, and it's probably lower than that, but you know, um, but any, I mean, not to downplay yeah. it because any death rate is bad, but at the same time, it, it the amount of fear mongering or whatnot about how crazy people have been or, or going to be like bringing it back to factual, like, Oh, well it's, was it point three? You said. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, which is um, significantly lower than what they said. Like they were, right. they were saying. <clears throat> um. I heard, heard the statistic, and it's from a podcast. So who knows if it's one hundred percent true? But I tend to believe what this well, guy they, says. They don't lie on podcasts. <clears throat> well, definitely not. Um, but <laughs> they're saying some something along like a million people were expected to to die from the, from COVID even if we social distance. Right. We haven't even broken a hundred thousand people yet. Right. Or we just broke a hundred thousand people. Um, in the United States? In the United States. Or what's, so not globally, United States. Yeah. Uh, and expected to be one point something million in the United States. States. I just did a Donald Trump thing. Um, <laughs> in the United States, it was supposed to be within the first two months based on the models. Right. And people will say, oh, it's because we're social distancing. Well, I mean, th- this could be skewed. And well, it- it's also something that was put up uh, as quickly as possible to figure out as quickly as possible what was going to happen. Well, and, so and what, what's statistics funny, were made yeah. to help prevent, which in any case, bad or not so bad, it still at least helped. In some way or fashion, possibly at least that's how what we're led to believe. Of course, the rabbit hole we're going down here is: if it wasn't that bad to begin with, would social distancing have decreased the amount of deaths? Well, so what we have found is that at least in New York, now this is also just because of circumstance, I suppose, is that um, almost all of the new cases, once they actually did like a lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, were people who were in quarantine 
which obviously is due to circumstance everybody else was, but then the majority of people who were actually out were that didn't quarantine that were out working in New York um, did not get sick. Um, which was very few people, and I imagine that have that has to do something. I'm sure that has to do just the fact that everybody was quarantined. Sure. Um, but also, I mean, like you look at the states that didn't quarantine at at all. It basically had a very short stint of lockdown. They were like, "All right, fuck this. We're gonna open back up." Like Florida, they um they have one of the lowest death rates uh, for for COVID nineteen. The less like the, one of the least amount of ca- of cases of any state. Mm-hmm. Um. And is it because people are out and they're actually distancing themselves because they're not stuck in a fucking small space with right. their family? Yeah, possibly all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, and then also it could be because the fucking virus dies in eighty degree weather, and you go outside, and if you're outside, then you aren't recircul aren't recirculating the the virus within an area that's conditioned right and well, that it can those, breed in those other <clears throat> i don't know what factoid i got this from but it there was something about how the sun it just being the vitamin d or whatever yeah. that you got from the sun and the activity that you had outside and, and in an environment where it was you know not you're not solitary confinement almost you know like but you were able to be active outside and the sun really helps with keeping your health up and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, a big, a big concern that I have with believing what the CDC is saying and the who is saying is that they keep on contradicting themselves. Like initially don't wear a mask. Wearing a mask is bad. Yeah. That's what, unless you, unless you already are sick just so you don't spread it. Right. And then they're like, wear a mask, always wear a mask. Yeah. And then they're like, Hey, by the way, all the masks you guys are wearing, uh, you're wearing them so much that they're actually just recycling the the virus inside the mask, and it's not um, escaping into the sun and dying through the through heat or or just from being away from you for so long right. that it dies. So like, so uh, wearing a mask is only okay if you're actually out in public, and then don't wear it anymore. It's like if you're out for if you go into a store, wear a mask, but then take it off. Because otherwise, you're literally just inhaling and exhaling the same thing over and over again, right. which gives it a higher chance of infecting you because it's a higher percentage, right? The mo- like there's more of them in yeah, your it mask. It concentrates, and then it, it's harder. And then it's just statistically more likely that something will get through. Right. Um, higher likelihood. Yeah. And then, uh, and then they say, oh, by the way, you know how we said that surfaces, it can live for a really long time on surfaces? It can live up to a week on certain surfaces like uh, stainless steel. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out that actually nobody's getting sick from touching things. They're getting sick just from like talking too close to each other, which we already knew about being too close to each other. Mm-hmm. But they basically scared us, scared everybody into thinking. Uh, I mean, yeah, don't touch it's, cardboard. It's don't fucking touch big paper. Lysol, bro. That's what it is. Big Lysol. <laughs> Pushing this lie that hey you gotta disinfect everything all well, the time. Hell, who do you think's paying them to put out all these crazy reports? Exactly, dude. Yeah. Big Lysol, big disinfectant. Um, <laughs> I mean, my my boss, Mr. Clean, is a, somewhere in a business, like in a suit, smoking a stogie. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, my boss is probably she started doing something that probably will never stop in our office now, and that's that every single day when she comes in, wipes down every single handle. Basically, just goes through and wipes down everything that people touch, right? With a Lysol wipe. See, that's the question I was thinking about because I've I've been I've returned to work since I don't know the past two weeks, and 
that was like one of the big deals was we had to have like we have a high touch area cleaning thing that happens every hour. Yeah. So and it seems like something that regardless of uh probably wouldn't be a bad virus idea. or not, you know, how many kids with their grubby fingers or how many adults who don't wipe their ass or whatever or wipe their ass, don't wash their hands. You know, it's just probably best business practice to keep a clean environment. Yeah. I mean, obviously in food service and places like that, they it's mandated. It's F- FDA or whatever the hell, you know, it's necessary. But like a, like a store that I work in, like we clean, you know, we have a janitor. At we the a, end of the night. Yeah, we have a cleaning service, but <clears throat> I've watched that guy clean. You know, he sweeps, buffs, and maybe sprays down the bathroom every day. Yeah. You know, it's like... It's it's just best in in general to be have a clean environment. Yeah, you know? for sure. So, but that's what I'm, <clears throat> the question I bring is thinking about. Like you said, you think from now on it's going to be something you guys do, and like I feel like if how long else, do you think, have it? How long do you think till all this shit just dies off and people don't give a fuck anymore? I don't. I don't know, man. Like, because I, I, it's obviously <clears throat> at least because obviously every flu season there's always a new kind of bigger thing and obviously there's the thing about election years having more televised events like that and more more heightened awareness around those things just because of talking points and things like that i lost my train of thought do i think that we're ever going to get back to a point oh well, yeah sorry so yeah there's always those heightened events and obviously this being as crazy as it was even if it wasn't that crazy but it was a event of like shutting the it was the, perceived to be crazy. Right. Shutting the yeah. world down and stuff like that. Is this gonna rock us to the point where we actually are gonna participate like wearing cause I mean hell they in high smog areas and, and air quality areas like in and obviously in Asia and things like that, there's like common practice to wear a mask like every day. Like, yeah. No matter what. Yeah. So it's like is that gonna I don't I don't think it's going to put a dent. Like I say about a year from now, or if not eight months, I feel like people aren't, as long as it's, as long as the second wave or whatever the hell doesn't really rock anybody. I feel like all this shit's going to be down the tubes. I mean, I, see, I, I'm not as concerned about that because that's a personal preference. And I think a lot of this stuff will continue to happen just out of habit. Like people Maybe. have gotten used to it, so now they're going to continue to do it. Like at least with my with my company, sure. Um, but I don't. My my biggest fear is I don't know if there is any return to any amount of freedom, right? Like I, I think that obviously some amount of freedom will come back, but poli- politically speaking, I, I see um, a continuation of the crackdown on people's civil on people's liberties and their ability to freely move. Right. Um they're really pushing for this uh this uh contact tracking. Um it's like iPhones and Google and Apple Map like Apple Maps and shit like that. Like they track obviously they track your, your positioning and where you where you go and that's how they target ads at you and stuff like that. Um and that's also how they can give you traffic updates and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um well they're starting they're starting to do this thing where they're tracking to see it's so like you and I both have iPhones. Mm-hmm. Well, Apple knows that you and I are together right now. Right. And um, in our state, it doesn't fucking matter because we're open. Right. But states like California and New York, that can be used against you. And Did I... 
this kind of goes in with this, but did I I sent you an article one time? This is this is when everything kind of started kicking off. Yeah. But in like Moscow and things like that, uh, they were instituting the credit uh, system. The what? Social credit score. Uh, no, I don't think maybe, but it was it, the main the main point of the article was, uh, like like statewide or you know area wide or citywide, whatever, like like tracking facial like facial tracking oh, and things like that just to know who is going where yeah and who is meeting with who and wh- how if they're touching or not touching and that kind of stuff and obviously it goes right in with like any kind of privacy violation as far as we're talking about with a cell phone technically not a privacy violation you sign the terms and services and you right. give them permission to use your location which i understand that but then to use it at a level which we would then like we wouldn't assign the shit if if we know what the other uses would be yeah you know I, to limit freedoms or I, whatnot i wonder about that sometimes like how does that work like is there a point at which it's so egregious that even if we agree to terms is I, that it's I technically think, considered predatory and no longer is actually acceptable no i or i, I think we're sl- we're in a we're slipping into the 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 cuz we already got there's already viral things about targeted ads and viral things about internet privacy like brow- like private browsing and things like that like th- that's already like a discussion going on now but it's already happening and it's just a slow slope like a slope that we're going right in to 10 20 years from now it's just common yeah you know like it's not it's like you're not like the uh the window but just a way to limit i, I hate to say the word limit freedoms like i hate to say that but i mean i guess it gets the point across yeah um, well, considering the fact that all of these all these phone companies have um, contracts with the U.S. government, it's pretty fucked up that they would have the ability to track us right. because who knows what that could be used for. Now, Apple's actually always been pretty good about fucking saying fuck you, United States, because right. um, I mean you can't you can't get Apple corporate to open a phone even if you have a warrant. Right. Uh, well, I guess technically, if you have a warrant, you can kind of do whatever you want, but. Um, like they won't, they won't give like police officers or, uh, count or just like, if they they won't give police officers passcodes and won't help them unlock phones unless they have warrants. It's, it's, if they do, it's a legislative event that happens and seeing the reasons why and things like that, which is good. But of course, if at that point it's just going to happen anyway, and then slowly but surely it just becomes a form that somebody has to sign. Well, know? I mean, that's like the FISA courts. I mean, sure. it's the same sort of thing where nine, like 98% of all cases that have ever been brought to the FISA warrant get stamped. And they're like, yep, go ahead, do your thing. Go ahead and spy on these Americans. Right. Um, which is how they got uh, the wiretaps on Donald Trump. It was through Carter Page, who was actually a CIA plant because he was on their payroll. Um mm. And then they basically threw Carter Page under the bus and were like, hey, I know you're working for us, but um, now we're just going to fucking burn you so that we can get to Donald Trump. Right. Um, which is uh, illegal, yeah. obviously. Unconstitutional. Well, sorry to go backwards, too, just because I was, <clears throat> I was saying all this shit about what's going on today. Yeah. Like, because then it's like the other big deal is like Facebook and Twitter and whoever else like selling personal data and information like because we're talking about 
we're already talking about the targeted ads, but the reason we have those targeted ads is because that data has been is bought and sold. Yeah. On this the big market internet, you know. Yeah, which I mean, I've always said I don't have a problem with the ads. I don't have a sure. problem. I mean, they're very helpful but, for small businesses specifically, and as well as big businesses. But I mean, but that's see, that's not to say it's bad or good. At least in one final like thought on it, but yeah. So you see how you just said I have no problem with it. It's just an ad that oh, it's possibly for something I care about. But then that's. I, I hate. I'm not trying I mean, to be alarmist yes. or anything like that. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to like blow this out of proportion because I understand I'm the same way. Fuck it. We got Alexis in our house. We fucking whatever the hell. But like what I'm saying with this 10, 15 year deal is like, oh, it's all common things. Oh, I I didn't you know like first right now it's targeted ads on recommended products, and then 20 years from now, what is it then? Yeah, that we're okay with. Yeah, my my biggest fear is the uh, preemptive arresting of people because they're they're expecting them to commit a crime. Yeah, like Gattaca or whatever. <clears throat> now, what what the fuck is that? Um, is that movie? I can never remember the name of the fucking movie. Gattaca. No, no, it's the one where. Um, gosh, why can I never remember this fucking movie? It's uh where the, where where there's the girl who um can see the future and she uh oh god, what's it called? She she can see the future. There's an episode of Futurama that makes fun of it, where basically she can she can see when somebody's going to commit a crime. Um, oh, um, like the TV show? Uh, was High Zombie show? or something? No, 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 no. That, that's different. I'm talking uh, about like, um, fuck. Uh, it's an older movie. I can never remember the fucking name of this movie, and I was just talking to my dad about it. Uh, it will come to you. <laughs> Yeah, it will come to my phone. <laughs> well, that's uh, a, not to drone on more about this, but like talking about how, like the whole idea of Minority Report. Yeah, okay. I can never fucking remember the name of that's that movie. That's on Netflix now, is it? You also, yeah, it's also a Tom Cruise movie, which is different. But yeah, talking about how like Elon Musk wanting to integrate technology on on your body and stuff. It's like pretty that. dope. That shit's interesting. Yeah. But he's also like he's on this fucking libertarian role right now, and right. it's fucking great. Like I love it. He uh, he was talking about how we're losing our liberties and how all this shit that's going on is very anti-American and right. And like he's uh, he's getting out there and uh, it's pretty ball. Not it's to say baller. Not I'm like obviously uh, everybody can have their own freedom of speech, whatever the hell. Like, but like he was he had his whole thing where. He literally like tweeted something about, oh, about the, the stock was yeah, too high. The, yeah, the stock value. That's fucking against the law. But yeah, and, and, and just it's it's just he's getting out there in like the he's already a personality, right? Yeah, and he, he's already a person of interest and value. Yeah, with some weight behind him now. You know what's crazy? He's not even on the fucking board of that company anymore. Well, yeah, he he was the CEO and he stepped out. Well, he had to. There, he was forced out because of the weed thing. And because they have government, it was was because they had government contracts, and Uh, weed still federally illegal, and he couldn't be arrested for it. But they could lose contracts, so the company decided it'd be best for him to step down as CEO for a period of time. It was like three years or something. Interesting. Um, I was also thinking it was about the the whole dip in there, him him diverting so much money, like Tesla basically going under almost, diverting so much money to the boring company and. 
SpaceX. SpaceX. But all those are fucking like all of his companies are paid for by the U.S. government. <coughs> yeah, uh, through I mean, contracts and whatnot. Yeah, so I mean, it, he's not. I mean, the. I don't know. Whatever. Um, he, he's. I, I like Elon Musk. I think he's sometimes full of shit and he's a little crazy and right. just kind of just talks out of his ass sometimes. But I I do like him and I find him to be yeah, a very interesting dude. I I th- I'm of the same opinion because he ha- he he seems to be a smart guy and wild and crazy, whatever. But he's like whenever you think, whenever we talk about like lizard people, right? <laughs> he yeah. Just, He's one of the first faces I think of. It's so funny. He doesn't strike me as a lizard person so much as, uh, like, I don't, he's just a, he's kind of a con artist to some extent. Like, yeah, he's a smart, he's very smart where scientifically, he, but he's a con artist. Is, like, South Africa. He? Okay. Um, but he, uh, I mean, when he was talking about the, the neural net, the neural net, which is what you're talking about, where you integrate yeah. the technology into your brain, which allows everybody to sort of, be become one collective brain to some right. extent. Um, like that is, uh, he was talking about like, uh, 10 years from now that that would be a thing. And I'm like, I mean, theoretically I see where you're coming from, but you're also kind of bullshitting. Right. Like, cause the technology isn't there yet well, he, he's to also even be implemented. He's like, the type of guy to say something and then it's just so try it's then, it's just always so fucking like fantastical as predictions like he's like he said 10 years from now we will have the capabilities to basically create the neural net that he was talking about right and i'm like dude what you're talking about is the one like what he was saying is going to be the precursor is something that helps with people regaining the ability to use like their limbs and stuff like that sure. that have lost like a medical use yeah medical uses like fixed vision a fixed brain uh, like abnormalities and things of that nature, but then, like, but he said, ten years from now, it'll become implemented, like, just in the average per yeah, average for, person like, could access like it. A cell phone or something. And I'm thinking you're full of shit. Like, it probably won't be ten years. It'll probably be more than ten years before they even fucking use it as a medical device regularly. Right. Like, it's starting now to some extent, but definitely not to the extent that and and theoretically. Uh, technology grows exponentially. So right. once you start something like that, like it basically starts growing on its own and becomes right. extremely Well, that's, uh, that's what I was going to say in a funny statement, too, is my mom talking about when she was growing up that in the year 2000, they were going to have flying cars. Oh, yes, obviously. But like in the same idea... 2001, the movie 2001 came out in the 70s, right. or whenever the fuck that came out, and people were talking... They basically thought that that was going to be t- like the year 2001, was we were going to be meeting right. aliens and shit. Space Odyssey, fuck, fucking flying through the galaxy, right? Yeah, right. Still a great movie. Yes, cool idea. Yeah. Kubrick, bro. But at the same time, just like you said, how fake things... the moon landing soon after. <laughs> so actually, it was yeah. in the sixties. Yeah, I think that it was like I can't tell you. Well, well, they they sixty nine, but they they use the same uh, technology to to fake the moon landing. You, you can, ever watch that movie? Tell. 2001 Rupert no no the the movie about faking the moon landing uh, probably not so Rupert Grant and Rupert Grant's in it yeah nice I can't remember I I barely ever I can't I want it I put it on my list and I saw like a couple scenes from it and got me interested yeah never fully watched it well I, I'm waiting on the system is down uh, or Dan Smots to release the moon the myth the legend oh, yeah. that's fucking fallen off Oh yeah, is he still in production and stuff? Yeah, dude, we fucking paid money to for advertising to put yeah, our put shit, our name on it. That shit takes time. Mm. 
Yeah, well, also, I mean, he decided to neglect that so that he could fucking help Firm Supreme not get elected. So. <laughs> I'm joking. He, he did good work. I love him. He's a good guy. Um, but anyways, we need to wrap up because we're over an hour. Cool. And it's 1030. Yep. I got to work in the morning. Kill me. <laughs> Please. Hopefully, we, we're, do, we're going through moves in our lives. And moves physically and moves uh, other ways. But uh, hopefully, we'll find a way to make this podcast better for us and better for people listening. Yeah, so if you get the if you get a house in the location you're looking at, um, we're gonna have to start doing this remotely, probably. <clears throat> yeah, or I'm not I mean, driving I, thirty minutes to forty five minutes to see you, Ben. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's fine. We could do it remotely, or I, I mean, hell, if it's once a week, I'll drive down. Just drive down to see me. Well, fuck. I mean, we'll see what happens. You're so sweet. I love you. Either way, we <clears> just <throat> we'll figure out a way to make things work. Yeah, life uh, finds a way. It sure. Love finds a way. I was doing Jurassic Park. And I was doing LGBTQ <laughs> plus. Nice. LGBTQQIAA plus. Okay. On that note. Um, on that note. Uh, Suck a dick. Yeah, I was going to do it, <laughs> but we saw plugs. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash ShipToothPod. Thank you. Uh, Facebook, all those things, you know. Um, typical subscribe, you know. Fuck all those things because you guys don't do them. I need to just stop going and plug in those things. Oh, that's good. I, I just need to plug will. the Patreon. Yeah. Go check out the Patreon. Yeah. And, and if you want some cool extra bits, talk to us on our Facebook forum or something else. We finally else. got a, a Tim Finnegan's back on back on the on the book, which is nice. Has he done hibernating <laughs> or something? Yeah, he, he went in hiding for a little while, for a couple he, months. He came out a new man. <clears throat> Yeah, he he said he was just getting too pulled into the memes and needed to take a step away. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah, um, and I'm lost in the memes. I've been considering something similar myself. Which at least this past week, I've been so fucking busy at work. I just got be, on Facebook today for the that first would be time. An interesting in a while. experiment, just to disconnect fully. I don't want to, but I do. I don't know. I mean, the benefits. You know, we don't even know. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But anyways, um. In the name of LGBTQIA+, plus, uh, suck a big, fat, juicy, tranny dick. Uh, that works. Yep, bye. Bye. <laughs>